0: So here in just a little bit, I think you're going to realize the, uh, (laughs) I don't want to call it irony, but uh, sometimes God orchestrates things that we're not even paying attention to, and I think the songs that you guys led us in this morning will become extremely, extremely relevant and powerful as we complete our talk this morning. Uh, So what... I'm just going to write that down so we can simmer on it. Uh, Here's my heart. Speak what is true. I'm just going to let that there so that we don't forget the connection as we kind of progress through this morning. Um, I've got my stuff closed up. A couple of announcements for us, maybe. Less of announcements, more keeping you in the loop. Uh, Really excited about our discussion series that's gonna start off next week. Uh, I think this is gonna be one of of the best things that we've done, personally. Um, So over the next number of weeks, I think the next four weeks right now, on Sunday mornings, what you're gonna have is you're gonna have people uh, that are sitting in the seats with you right now, uh, sharing their stories in a way that uh, connects us to the story of God. So uh, there's a, a couple of goals that are gonna happen in here. Number one, we're gonna get, it, get to know each other uh, a lot better and how God's brought us to be together, what our journeys look like and how we ended up uh, being who we are, where we are on our spiritual journey. Um, and hopefully we'll do that in a way that um, will ease you as you find rest in realizing that you're not in a group of people that have everything figured out, right? You're not in a group of people that have a clean slate and everything in their life has been flawless. Uh, But we're going to share these stories in a way that hopefully you realize you're in good company. You're in good company. Um, And and you can be who you are and you can be at rest in this family and you can be at peace in this family because... um, Strangely enough, the other people in a very similar boat that you are. Uh, So we want to do that over the next, and we're also going to do it in a way that teaches you to be an active listener as you hear other people share their story. So all those things are going to come to flesh out and you're going to understand them in more depth starting next week. So great time to bring people, great time to, to, to just bring a curious neighbor, a curious friend, a curious coworker, whatever it is, say, hey just come with me and experience church in a completely different way than what you've probably ever done. The next four weeks will be a great opportunity for you to do that. So be in mind of the people that you want to bring to to experience something maybe slightly different from what they're uh, even expecting. Uh, So next thing I got for you is Tuesday night, uh, they're having a second meeting. The downtown area that we are currently sitting in, uh, there's a group of people trying to get a movement started to help um, repurpose, revitalize, and get something happening downtown. Uh, and it's called pop-up. It's what they're doing. So a uh, quick explanation is um, there's a meeting Tuesday night. This is the second meeting of its type. Tuesday night at the Benton Municipal Building on the other side of this block. Um, and what they're doing is we're, we're brainstorming with other people in the community about uh, the pop-up is actually setting up temporary ways to show what the downtown space could become on a permanent type. So, buildings like what are abandoned next to us, they may have a temporary business set up in there that's unlike anything we have could be downtown. Uh, Maybe uh, different ways to use the streets, uh, different ways to use our courtyards and our unused alleys and things like that. I tell you all this to say this. Number one, we want to be a part of this movement downtown. We don't want to be a church that just says, we exist downtown, but we exist for downtown. Okay? Significantly different. We're not here to take up space and be in the way of progress. We're here to be in the presence of and to help progress our city to succeed. Okay? So things like this are a God-given opportunity for us to not be bystanders and observers to see what happens, but to be a part of what's going to happen downtown. So we can go sit in this meeting. Another reason that I think um, it'd be really cool to have a few of you with me at this meeting is because I've already told the director that we only use this space on Sunday morning, and we would like to leverage this space to be a part of this downtown movement. So we have a space that would really easily transition to a pop-up coffee shop or this or that so um we have a space that's got a really unique feel we've already got tables we've already got a little bit of flexibility in here so i've told them this space is available for discussion and brainstorming about how we could leverage it for the city okay so if you'd like to tag along with me be a part of meetings like that the last part of this conversation is i've already offered us to host the next meeting so I said, if you wanna see downtown from another perspective, we'd love to host your next meeting. And if they clear us to do so, then that would be an opportunity for us to, in the same nature that you guys hosted your neighbors the other day, we begin to ask questions like, how can we host these community leaders in a way that shows them what it's like to be a part of the family of God? How can we be hospitable? Not just open our doors and say, all right, everybody sit down. How can we be hospitable to let them know what it's like to be served as Jesus served us, to be loved as the Father loves us, okay? So these are opportunities of what's already happening in our city and we get to be a part of it, not be bystanders and observe it, okay? So really cool things going on downtown and I'm being very direct with the leaders to say, we don't want to stand in the way, but we want to be a part, okay? That meeting is on my email, which is not accessible because we don't currently pay for internet right here. (laughs) I think it's probably at six or 6.30, let me confirm that and put it on our group me. I will do that. Um, Which may be a good plug for us. Since you guys have done so well at giving lately, uh, if it becomes profitable, we can get internet. When we first moved in here, I didn't know if we were gonna pay the bills but you guys have been really good, really generous, and really faithful to begin giving, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, Not because we have more money in the bank, because the money that we have in the bank leverages the opportunities that God's gonna give us. right? So when opportunities like this come, we don't have to say no, I wish I could, but we could say yes, we're prepared. And that's what your finances and your gifts are doing for us as a church. Thank you for that. Let's take a poll. All that to get to this. Who typically sleeps all the way through the night? Anybody get to do that? Like if you go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock, you don't wake up until your alarm goes off. Who lives that world? Miss Tanya? <laughs> Joe's like, I'm good. <laughs> Most of the time. Until? Until, <laughs> until I had a baby in my belly. I've never had that excuse, but I have my own excuses. So, that's actually very few of you. (laughs) That's actually very... You guys need to, like, get some rest. Um, But I used to sleep through the night until I became a father, right? And I'm not even going to give you a woe is me because Shelly gets waked up by our kids a lot more than I do. Um, So I'm not even going to... I do like to act like I do more than her, but I'm not going to on this. But before I became a dad, I slept really well. I slept really well. And now, um, it's not even the dad. The, the, the kids, a lot of times, go to Shelly, but now I have dogs that bark in the middle of the night, like my dogs. She's blind and deaf and can't see anything. And if we just leave her to herself, she'll just go to the bathroom all over herself. And now, instead of doing that, she like yelps at me at 3 a.m. in the morning. And she's staring at the wall. Whoop. yelping for me. It's, it's miserable. So 3 a.m. in the morning, i got to get up and i got to take babies, dogs out. Kids are crying. Kids are coming in wanting to sleep in our bed, wanting to sleep in our floor. Um, there, it's just crazy. It's crazy the amount of things that happen in the middle of the night now. Moral of the story is I don't get to sleep throughout the night. Um, and I don't wake up very well. All that to get to this. I don't wake up very well. Zach has always been a morning guy. He'll like get up at 4 a.m. just to load the boat and go fishing. I don't do that. I don't do that at all. Like, that is not the hobby that I want. I want a hobby that starts at 10 a.m. I don't want the hobby that starts at 4 a.m. Uh, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm disoriented. I stumble around. And I, it, it like takes me... I have to get downstairs before I'm actually conscious enough to know what's going on. Right, that's me. That's what I do, and that's what we find in First Samuel chapter three. So, if you have a Bible and you want to read with us, or you want to be on the phone reading with us, First Samuel three is what we're going to look at this morning. And Samuel uh, reminded me of myself because Samuel apparently doesn't wake up well either. And in First Samuel chapter three, we have a young boy named Samuel who. Uh, is a servant in the temple, uh, and he serves with the priest whose name is Eli. Okay, so Eli is the older man. Uh, he's like my dog. He can't see anything at this point. He's 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 well up in the years, and all his uh, senses have been eliminated by age. So, and then we have a young boy named Samuel, and Samuel is a servant in the temple. Works with Eli to help him do what the priest does. So read with me 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Sam 3. We're going to read 1 through 11 just to get a little context and see a little, little bit of the narrative that's going on here. So here we go. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, he was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of the God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back, lie down. So he went and he lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. You called me. No, I didn't call you, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and he said, here I am. You've called me. Then... Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lie down in this place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel. Okay. So here we are, today we're looking at this passage to consider uh, what I think it was actually Sean that said it a few weeks back when I asked you what are some areas in life that maybe we just go through assuming God's presence without applying God's instruction, right? So what are some areas that we just we just know God's with us and he's for us. And then we just kind of roll with whatever comes natural instead of asking, what has God instructed me to do to walk in his presence? And one of the things that was brought up was our personal time with Jesus. It's our reading of scripture. It's our prayer. It's things like that. You may call it a devotional time. You may whatever you call it. It's our it's our personal time where we are in the presence of Jesus and we intend to hear from him. And we we want to engage with him, either speaking or listening. Uh, So today we look at this passage to consider that and how it is that we hear from him. It's been said that he will never leave us or abandon us. That's repeated multiple times in the scriptures. And then Jesus explains that it is the helper or the Holy Spirit, he is the one that will never leave us or forsake us. That when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave a helper with you, a counselor. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you. For those who love me and obey me, they are my children and they have received the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who speaks to you. It is the Holy Spirit who is with you that never leaves you or abandons you. And it is the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, that we will have until Jesus returns again. And when Jesus returns again, we will have Jesus face to face. We will be in His presence forever. Uh, God has spoke to us primarily, first and foremost, in His written Word. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the apostles. He, he has spoken directly to us through his written word, and he continues to speak by his Holy Spirit. These two things work together. The written word and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to chase a rabbit this morning, but there are a lot of us that at times want to hear from God through the Holy Spirit without ever engaging in the written word. The problem with that is his spirit will never contradict himself. And if you are going on feelings and uh, your senses, I believe, I sensed that I have heard from God. If you're going on the senses without going on what has already been written, then you can be lied to. And you can go astray. But if I believe God has spoken to me through His Spirit and it affirms what is written in His Word, then I can have confidence in what He has told me. So the two work together. Um, Yet as we dictate how we wanna walk in his presence, as we decide how to operate when he never leaves or abandons us, sometimes we we rarely hear from him. We rarely hear a word or an encouragement or or God speaking to us, primarily because we have decided how we're gonna operate. And when we decide that, then we, we don't have God speak directly to us in that type of way on a regular basis. Two observations that I want us to consider this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, observation, is that the abbreviation? Observation number one. Don't correct me if I'm wrong, Okay. Samuel was in the presence of God, yet did not expect to hear from God. He was in the presence of God, he was sleeping. In the same space as the Ark of the Covenant, we've talked, if you've been with us over the last number of months, we've talked a couple times about the Ark of the Covenant being the physical representation of the presence of God with the nation of Israel. He slept in the same place as the presence of God, yet when God spoke, he did not expect to hear anything from him, only expected to hear from Eli. He did not expect to hear... From God, he only expected to hear from Eli. And I found that interesting. There, there, one word came to mind as I considered that this week conditioning. Conditioning. And I'm not talking about getting a gym membership, uh, but it's a process. Of changing behavior through rewards or punishment right Derek had a psychology major did you study conditioning yeah so you can change the behavior of somebody by giving rewards or punishment by giving or taking away and eventually you condition them to a certain response based on a certain stimulus Um, that's the short answer there's a lot of other stuff that could be said about that. Uh, and sometimes it says previously a neutral stimulus can create a very specific response upon conditioning. Right, so give me an example. Let's, what's an example of conditioning? Just so we're all operating on the same wavelength here. What's an ex- example of conditioning? Derek, you wanna start us since you're the graduate?
1: Okay. Bell, bell, they food, and then they get the point
0: where they just ring the bell, and the dogs are salivating. Okay. Due to air conditioning, you may not have heard that, but he said, the classical example is the dog. They ring a bell, and every time they ring a bell, they gave him food, and eventually they ring the bell, and he begins to salivate. Previously a neutral thing, as a bell is conditioned to make him salivate because when he hears bell, he thinks food. Right? That's conditioning. My dog has conditioned me to when she barks, I get up at 3 a.m. and go take her to the bathroom. I've been conditioned. When I hear bark at 3 a.m., it means outside. It's supposed to work backwards, but she has trained me well. Right? Any other examples of conditioning that come to mind? Is that a thing? So, is that what? Have you? Did, does it work? Oh, that's a thing other people do. I would not be so silly as to do it. But okay, that's another one. So we're conditioning a negative stimulus to try to stop habits or whatnot, right? Um, I, I think about we had this example this week, and I, I I thought I was gonna have one more thing to leverage on Shelley, but it backfired on me. But typically, Shelly can ask our kids or our dogs to do something. Like our dog was walking through the pasture this week eating horse. Right? That's what our dogs do. Um, And and Shelly yells at her, Gracie! She's oblivious. Doesn't listen one bit. And our kids do the same thing a lot of times. Um, But then I will be sitting there and I'm like, watch this. And I'll yell at the dog and the dog comes back home. Or the kid acknowledges, looks up, and comes back home. It's conditioning. They have conditioned, they've been conditioned to hear from me and to hear my voice. Yet for some reason, there's a conditioning to ignore her voice. It's all conditioning. That's what it is. That's what it is. And Eli or, or Samuel have been, been conditioned to only hear from Eli. Even though he lived and slept in the presence of God, he only expected to hear from Eli. That's what he was conditioned to. Um, So let me ask you this. If not Jesus, who have we been conditioned to hear when life offers a stimulus? Like Life throws something at you, and it's a stimulus that causes you to be attentive, to causes you to want to hear something, to, to, to understand something. If not Jesus, who are we conditioned to hear when those things come? Mom and sisters. Life throws something at you, you pick up the phone, and you call your mom. Mom, what do you have to say about this? What do my sisters think about this? When life has a stimulus stimulus I hear. Mom and sisters, who else have we been conditioned to hear?
1: Our friends.
0: Friends. know we're good. By faith, I'm going to put three more dots because I believe y'all are going to have some pastors, 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 leaders, brothers. Brothers. You better be careful listening to your brothers. Get you in trouble. Husband. Now, let me say this. Or let me ask this. Are any of those a negative thing to be conditioned to? Are any of those bad? Could be. Depends on who your friends and your husband are. I don't know. I mean, it it, it could be. But generally speaking... Those relationships can be healthy. They can be a good thing. And then they're not immediately a bad thing. But here's the follow-up question. What do these voices offer? When these voices speak, if we're not conditioned to hear from Jesus, but we're conditioned to hear from these, so in comparison to Jesus, what do these voices offer us? I, I, let me get the ball rolling real quick. Because we've gone through a lot over the last couple years and we've we've reached out to people, to friends, to family, to this and that and you want to hear a word from your mom or you want to hear a word from your siblings but sometimes we have found that even the best family member who is the most loving and the most caring towards you In comparison to Jesus, that voice creates greater anxiety versus the peace that Jesus speaks over me. Sometimes that voice will create more anxiety even though they're well-meaning and want to help. So what else? What do these voices sometimes offer us in comparison to what the voice of Jesus could offer?
1: I've seen a couple situations where maybe,
0: you know, it did lead to so much anxiety or because it wasn't based on, according to the person not the preacher, yeah. based on the word of Yeah. So even uh, the word that's, like you said, correct, correction. Um, but there's the opposite of correction. When they want to offer correction for your situation, but it leads you actually further astray. Okay. So, worldly uh, versus, what did you say, scriptural? And then something came to mind when you were talking about yours. It's perspective. Perspective. Perspective is the word. They, they, they had good meaning, wanted to help correct your path and your walk, but they were limited. Perspective. Versus. Dude, I'm not even. Omnipotent. That's power. Omniscient is all knowing. Just all the omnis. All the omnis. I don't Just, think
1: you would get truth from Jesus. If I call my mom or my sister, my mom's going to say, you're not selfish. You didn't
0: that. And my sister would be like, yeah, I'll, you know, they shouldn't treat you like that. You do to treat like that. And that, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the it. Opinion's a good way to say that, but um, everybody else is thinking something else is because it's wrapped in emotion. When your mom speaks about you, it's, it's, it's like everything's better in bacon. That's wrapped in the emotions of being a mother in that perspective, in the, the way that she cares for you. She only wants to speak those things to you. You're not that way, baby. You're not that way, baby when in fact you are that way and sometimes it's because she loves you and cares and is so emotional towards you sometimes it's just because she's too close to you and she doesn't see who you actually are she sees who she wants you to be (sighs) anything else? what do these voices have to offer us in comparison to Jesus?
1: As for us mm-hmm. so I want something that's gonna I know it's not necessarily the best uh, the best decision for but I want to go this way anyway those friends, family members
0: yeah.
1: you know they, they support what I really want <laughs> and what I really want is not necessarily the best thing for me or what Jesus mm-hmm. asked for me. So they offer that, um, Let me that advice it. or that perspective that I really want to hear but it's not necessarily the best thing
0: Yeah, yeah. So they, these people sometimes give you a yes when Jesus will give you the best, right? It's like, do you want to settle for a yes when you could have the best? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. It's like I don't even want to go through what it takes to arrive at the best. I just want the path of least resistance. Somebody tell me yes. Affirm my current decision-making process. Just let me be who I want to be. Tell me yes. Affirm me. Pat me on the back. Don't tell me I could do better because I just want to do what I got. Sometimes best requires too much sacrifice, too much submission, too much pain, too much process when I could have a yes today.
1: It don't mean that they don't love you. No.
0: Yeah, But they're a little more easily swayed to give me a yes when there is a best. I mean, Jesus might have to tell you some really hard things about who you are and what you're doing and where you're going. But it's based on truth. It's based on His all-knowing. It's based on wanting to provide you peace. And it's unchanging scriptural... Basis that will not shift as the shadows do, like your mom or your siblings or your best friend. Your mama is going to shift her opinion when the sun gets to the other side. She's going to wake up one way and go to bed another.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jesus is unchanging, not shifting like the shadows. And what he offers you is best today, and it's going to be best tomorrow, and it may be hard today, and it may be hard tomorrow, but it's worth going with. It's worth going with. Right? So, Samuel... Lived and slept in the presence of God yet he did not expect to hear from God only expected to hear from Eli and although Eli may have had the best intent for Samuel's life here's how it stacks up because he was conditioned to hear from Eli and not from the Lord observation number two man I gotta get a bigger whiteboard Number two, Sam, not you, Sam, Samuel, changed his conditioning by changing, I forgot my note, his response to the stimulus. Samuel changed his conditioning, how he was wired, what he heard. He changed the conditioning by changing his response to the stimulus. He said, Here I am, Lord. Speak. He didn't run to Eli. Didn't want to hear a word from the priest. Didn't want any man to speak into it. But when he was awoken, the stimulus happened, and he waked up, and it caused him to be alert, and it caused him to to want to hear something. Speak. Your servant is listening. Speak. Your servant is listening. Sometimes I can teach on authority, and I can teach from a position of like, here's where I'm at. Why don't you join me? It's like Paul saying... Follow me as I follow Christ. And like if you don't know what to do, just do what I'm doing. Sometimes you can teach and preach from that place, but I'm going to teach from a different place for the next few moments. I'm going to let you uh, be my therapist for a little bit. So I've had seasons of life and I'm following Christ where I've had like this extreme clarity, this prayer life where it's so intimate and so... Um, clear, just to where you hear from God. He speaks to you. You you take time to be to be silent to say, speak for your servants. Listen and whatever you got to say, I want to hear it right now. I want to hear all of it. I've had those seasons. I know what that's like. But in this season, just to be honest with you, I find it difficult in this season to be silent and to say, speak, your servant is listening. I find that difficult in this season. It's not easy. It's not natural. I've had seasons where it was, and it was extremely beneficial and fruitful in my life. And I can reflect on those with just admiration towards those seasons, but even when I reflect on those and I engage in prayer right now, I find it difficult to pray that prayer. So instead of you reflecting on your own struggles, I'm going to let you reflect on mine. Why do you think that might be difficult for me in this season?
1: Trouble as well, and so um, I have to be mindful to slow down. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, this is this is going on. I feel like I'm just just kind of running and gunning, so to speak. And I just need you to slow things down so I can hear your voice. Yeah. So I can be in your presence um, because the enemy's busy as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's times in my life where um, those things activity and our life has increased mm-hmm. so now where well, we used to have more time with God maybe in the morning maybe in the evening or maybe two or three hours that time is being taken because there's other activities there yeah. and so just for me it's asking God to give you wisdom you know more than anything in one situation I know mm-hmm. we're, we're reflecting on you but I think that's part of it You mm-hmm. know, in this season I wasn't as busy I didn't have this time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe there's other things that, that are going on in my life that are affecting me. Like God, how do I manage this? How do I, how do I deal with this the way that you have me? Yeah. To deal with it? So I think that's that's part of it. It may not be the case for everyone, yeah. but I think that's
0: part of it. I think when you're saying that, I'm thinking about... Um, like If you're married and you have an argument with your spouse, uh, the hardest the hardest part of the conversation you need to have is starting the conversation. It's, it's re-engaging. That first re-engagement. It's, it's being the one to step up and say, I'm here. Right? Let's talk. And and that step, when when you're saying it's, when you get really busy, when you got a lot of things, even if they're good things, going on to... Some of the most difficult steps to take in your prayer life are just to stop and to re-engage at that relationship that you had before you got so busy. Just taking that first step. It's a scary step. can be. So why else might that be difficult in this season? I
1: found yeah
0: wanting to be heard instead of wanting to listen can make this a difficult task Especially when you feel like you've been offended. Especially when you feel like a victim. Especially when you feel anything, right? Anything. Why else might this be a difficult season to simply stop and say, speak, your servant's listen."
1: of God or whether they are in the family of God and a truly born again believer, regardless of where you're at in your state of knowing God, there's a power at work. Yeah. If there is an enemy who would love to sabotage anytime you have to mm. God. Yeah.
0: There is an opposition that wants to break your connection to the person of Jesus because if he can stop you from being engaged that closely and intimately with Christ then he can stop anything but that's the only hope he has right that's the only hope if if if, if Satan can separate you from the source of your power the source of your wisdom the source of your counsel then we can be pushed around anywhere and everywhere with no way to stand it's the only hope. What's James say? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Flee from the devil. It's, he says, "If you draw near to Christ, and then the devil will flee, because he cannot follow you into the presence of God. He cannot follow you. <laughs> it makes it kind of foolish to want to fight our habits with rubber bands good illustration, Sam, to fight our habits with rubber bands when the power we've been given comes from the presence of God. I want to condition myself by slapping myself every time I do something stupid when he says, if you will draw near to me, I will not condemn you, but I will offer you freedom and counsel and wisdom and goodness and you will be empowered by my power to oppose the enemy. Yet we want to condition ourselves with a rubber band? Makes us look a little foolish at that point. The only authority we have comes from Christ. The only self-control we have comes from Christ. If you are controlled by the Spirit, then you can control your body. Yet we sometimes... Find it difficult to engage to become available to the hear from the Lord. We'd rather hear from rubber bands. That's interesting. It's interesting. So speak. Your servant is listening look at what he said it said um in verse 10 i found this this stood out just profoundly this week in verse 10 it starts it says the lord came stood there and called as before the lord came and he stood there right beside samuel doesn't say he spoke from the ark, he spoke from a bush, he spoke from this, he spoke said Jesus came and he stood there right beside Samuel and he spoke and he called there again. When I read that this week, the image that that created almost haunted me. Because it's like how sad would it be you got little Samuel and you got little stick figure Jesus before he was Jesus because this is a thousand years before Jesus was born. But he came to Samuel and it said he stood there waiting to speak to him. And, and the thing that haunted me is this. What, how sad would it be for us to be scrambling around in all of life to hear from all of these people. Speak into my situation. Speak into my life. Speak into this. Speak into that. Tell me what you think. Tell me what I need to see. Tell me what I need to hear. All the while, Jesus comes and He stands in our presence to directly speak a word into our life. But the only reason we have not heard Him it's because we're scrambling around to hear from everybody else. We have conditioned ourselves not to hear from Him with no expectation of doing so. And we want to go hear from my wife. Now, my wife has a lot of wisdom and a lot of counsel, but she is not Jesus. Okay? Jesus came, stood there, and He called out to Samuel. The only reason Samuel heard him this time is because he changed his response to the stimulus. When he was awoken, he said, speak. I'm listening this time. Now, I don't know what the stimulus is in your life. I don't know what's waking you up in the middle of the night. I don't know what's keeping you awake in the middle of the day. I don't know what causes you to wrestle with thoughts and fears and anxiety. I don't know what physical things ail you. I don't know what mental things ail you. But here's the situation. is Jesus stands with you, ready to speak into you, and while we're scrambling around wanting to hear from everybody else, He's got a word for you. He's got help for you. And the only reason we're not hearing is because we're not asking for it. That's it. You went and asked your dad. Now your dad may be 60 years old and have a lot of experience, but he's not Jesus. He's just not. So what is the stimulus in your life that you could use a word for? What is the stimulus in your life that you could use a word for? Funny thing is about this question, I'd like to actually hear it, but I'm not going to offer you a word. I'm not going to be your Eli. Right? For me to go through everything we just went through and say, what's the stimulus in your life now? i got a word for you. (laughs) No. God's got a word for you. And He's standing right beside you. Prepared to speak into you. The only reason you have not heard it is because you have not asked. You have not stilled your soul and say, speak, your servant is listening. That's it. Tyler, will you come back and lead us in the chorus of that last song just as a time of prayer for us? time of us applying what we've just talked about? Whatever the stimulus is in your life that's Demanding a word to be spoken over you. This song is a prayer that says, Speak, your servant is listening, here's my heart, speak what is true. I've heard from everybody else. Now I want to hear from you. Heard from everybody else.